Farm Bits podcast. Farm Bits is proudly produced by the Nebraska Digital Agriculture team and hosted by the students at the University of Nebraska. The Farm Bits podcast comes to you each week to discuss trends, the realities, and the value of digital agriculture. Through interviews with experts, producers, and innovators from across the agriculture industry, we hope that you step away from each episode with new practical knowledge of digital agriculture technology. Hello, Farm Beats followers, and welcome to another episode of the Farm Beats podcast. I am Deepak Gimire. And I'm Emily Hansen, and we're glad to have you with us as we continue our discussion on data management. Today, we are joined by Tyler Negan, Principal Scientist at Centera. Centera is a company that delivers agricultural insights to help optimize management decisions. Welcome to the Farm Beats podcast, Tyler. Uh, can you please introduce yourself and share your thought background where you are up until today? Yes, absolutely. And and thank you very much for having me on the podcast. Um, I hope it's useful. So, yes, I um, I uh, grew up on a dairy farm in Wisconsin. Uh, my parents still own and operate that farm, um, and I'm still sort of involved with nutrient management planning and things like that. But after after high school, I, I went to, to college um, in my undergraduate for soil science and became introduced to, to GIS, uh, Geospatial Information Systems, and uh, precision agriculture was sort of uh, uh, up and coming at the time, and, and I was immediately interested in using precision agricultures for improving nutrient management and soil fertility practices and things like that. And so... I, I looked into um, some different uh, graduate programs and uh, I found my way over to the University of Minnesota uh, to do a project on using hyperspectral and thermal imagery for uh, nitrogen and water stress detection in potatoes. And so using remote sensing uh, for making uh, agronomic decisions. And so that really opened up uh, pro probably most of the doors that led me to where I am today. Um, uh, I, I, since finishing my master's program, I actually went back to the University of Minnesota to do a, a PhD as well, where I used drone-based remote sensing for uh, nitrogen detection in corn. So switched to drone uh, from aerial uh, imagery and then uh, switched um, to from potato to corn. Now, over the last two years, I've been uh, at Centera, uh, where my role is a principal scientist. And so my pro primary responsibilities are to develop new products um, for our customers, um, analytic products I'm, I'm referring to. So how we take uh, remote sensing imagery and, and, and turn it into value, um, specifically around agronomic modeling, customized um, modeling and using different uh, environmental management, agricultural data sources to do just that. That's pretty cool. Could you give us a little bit of an overview about what Centera is? Yeah, so Centera is um, a company founded in 2014 or 2015. <clears throat> um, so been around for uh, not quite 10 years now. And we have three main uh, divisions or departments or products, I guess, that products and services that we offer our customers. Um, and we call them uh, field capture, field insights, and field agents. And so I'll just um, briefly describe each one of those. And so the first the first one, field capture, so we we have our 
we're we have our own hardware um, and so we are uh, we design our own multispectral cameras and RGB visual cameras and even have a fixed wind drone called the PHX that uh, we have designed, uh, we manufacture, and then we sell. Um, and then the other part of field capture then would be our flight services offerings. And so for, for any customers that um, haven't made an investment in the hardware itself or um, aren't willing to make that investment because it can be a lot of um, uh, finan uh, financial um, cost upfront. Uh, we offer flight services and project management for uh, instead of instead of selling hardware, we sell the data. You know, we will go out um, to your fields, to your plots at certain times, um, certain growth stages based on your objectives, whether you're a research customer or more of a production a customer and we'll make sure that you get the multispectral RGB imagery and then also the 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 analytics that that you really need um, to to be successful so that's field capture the second field insights um, this is where I find myself uh, under the umbrella of Centera and what where, I, where I'm working um, but field insights is all around the advanced analytics from uh, these primary data sources uh, and and it might be obvious, but you know, Centera with with focus on remote sensing and aerial imagery, most of our products that we offer are derivatives of that that multispectral RGB imagery. Um, so different products like uh, stand count, uh, crop health, canopy cover, weed detection, uh, maturity date, um, and then yeah, we have. A new one that we're working on right now, and that is uh, yield potential ranking. And so, using maybe multiple measurements that come from multispectral imagery to to provide an estimate of yield, and then rank them. So then, uh, you know, the customer might know which which plots, uh, which maybe seed varieties or treatments have the highest um, yield potential. Um, and then there's agronomic modeling. And so agronomic modeling is where, where I am spending most of my efforts. Uh, and I won't go into it too deep right now, but basically um, with agronomic modeling is what we mean is a customized modeling solution for either predictive analysis or causal analysis. Um, so this is where we bring in uh, other environmental management agronomic uh, variables, things like soil, hydrology, weather, um, you know, expanding outside of drone imagery and using satellite imagery, um, and and then obviously all the management data, and look, taking a multivariate approach for training and deploying a model to solve a particular solution. And then the last one, Field Agent. Um, so Field Agent is our visualization uh, software. Um, it's a web-based app that um, allows uh, our customers to go and access, visualize all of the uh, aerial imagery that's been collected. Um, so it's a geospatial program, so you can see a field map and you can see a map of your field boundaries and then look at all of the collections throughout the season. And then that's where we also um, provide access for any of the field insights, the advanced analytics that were provided, um, and then also included with Field Agent is um, uh, ordering uh, interface. So uh, you can see the status of your orders 
um, the field insights orders, um, reporting. So being able to export um, reports of the field insights. Um, and then and then also there's an API. So the ability to download any of your data or access that data through an API. That's yeah. pretty cool. Um, I know I work with some drone imagery um, just with the lab that I work with here on campus. Um, so my question as a follow-up, um, when you're using uh, these drone imagery sources to come up with your different, um, like your yield potential or some of those other um, services that you have, is it the same bands of imagery every time or is it different types of imagery? So, yeah, this this is a it's a really good question. Um, it's it's tricky to answer, and I think this is where we kind of get into the interface of um, some of these off the shelf solutions um, that are just just pure derivatives of only aerial imagery, of only drone drone based high resolution imagery, and incorporating uh, other agronomically relevant variables like soil and weather and and things like that in um and so to your question about like okay which bands like are the most useful or how are how um you know are certain bands used for one solution but not another so the answer is yes absolutely different um uh different spectral bands uh green red red edge near infrared will have different relationships with the biophysical properties of of the vegetation, the cellular dynamics of, you know, uh, when when that plant is experiencing crop stress and things like that. So these different bands absolutely have a relationship on on, you know, the, the crop health in general. However, the, the fact of the matter is that there's usually more than just one thing that causes crop stress. You know, whether that is crop nutrition, and we can split hairs there and look at phosphorus versus nitrogen versus potassium versus sulfur, um, you know, or a, a disease or weed pressure at any given point in the season. When we look at all of these different variables, then different bands will manifest themselves as being, quote, more important or more influential. And so when we look at some of these off-the-shelf solutions, um, yes, we'll usually make assumptions and say, and, and say, okay, we're using this band or we're using NDVI for this or um, maybe NDRE for an, another product. Um, and then even offer the, um, provide customers with a choice on sort of which avenue we take based on just what we know. Um, however, when we get over to agronomic modeling, I've always found that the best, the most robust solution is, is when training the model, consider all of the data that you have. You know, if it's multi-spectral imagery with blue, green, red, red edge, near infrared, thermal bands, let's provide access for the model to be trained on all of those, and then let let the feature selection process sort of choose which ones are are most influential, and that would be based on the ground truth data that were collected based on your environment, your crop, you know, your problem that you're trying to solve. Yeah, I think that that was a great insight uh, into how or what kind of data collected will be useful in terms of getting the 
recommendations are making the data useful. So uh, following up on the previous products, great lines of services that you highlighted before. Uh, so do farmers require any kind of special tools, equipments uh, to use Centra's products? Uh, no. Um, and, and the reason it's no is because we uh, we offer um, a flight services program. So if farmers are willing to, to use uh, our flight services and project management, um services you know they don't have to make that upfront investment in the equipment and things needed um and and we will just schedule the flights and provide the, the field insights the analytics then based on you know what's desired what they want to order now with that said if that investment's already been made or if the, if, if a year or two from now um, farmers want to make an investment into drone sensor hardware and and like to fly themselves or have someone hired to fly, maybe it's a crop consultant or something like that's absolutely something that we support. Um, just one uh, caveat or something to watch out for is that different Field Insights products require different flight specifications. So different flying altitudes, not all Field Insights analytic products will be available for all sensors. Uh, for example, um, a stand count requires a relatively low uh, flight altitude, high resolution imagery, and it uses visual imagery, uh, RGB. So a simple RGB sensor is fine. Uh, you know, on the other hand, crop health um, and, um, and some of these more spectral based Field Insights products require a multi-spectral sensor or at least um, you know, red and near infrared band to be able to calculate the NDVI from that. That's pretty cool. Um, to kind of build on that question, um, for research purposes, if a researcher has a drone, um, but one of, wants to get one of your sensors, um, is there any like particular um, features on that drone that would be needed to uh, be able to hold your sensor? Um, yes. Uh, so this is outside of my uh, expertise off the top of my head. I have to go to a couple of my colleagues for all this information. But yeah, so certain, um, so our sensors are compatible with a certain list of, of platforms, drone platforms. Um, and, and that's not necessarily to say that it's not possible to outfit our sensors on a a drone outside of that list. Um, it's usually that, you know, there's just so many drones out there. It's usually that, okay, this it just isn't part of the, the short list in terms of like what we um, support first class. Um, but um, if whenever there is interest of, of supporting uh, sensors on different drone platforms, um, we will make a point of, you know, adding it to that list and, and doing some integration work to make that possible. But it basically comes down to payload, um, and our our sensors are pretty lightweight, so it's usually not a problem. But it can be with some of these very small drones. Payload, and then electrical interface to be able to read the GPS coming from the drone, so that the camera gets triggered at the right time. Um, things like that that are the important factors when when doing that um, integration. Yeah, following up on the previous uh, products again. So farmers or producers, uh, researchers. So whenever they are using the center as products, maybe field captures or particularly uh, egg modeling. So what kind of data layers 
uh, are you using uh, to recommend farmers and what kind of data layers are you expecting from farmers when uh, they are using the center as products? Yeah, so like you said, this is um, a question that is gets focused on agronomic modeling where we're where we're incorporating other uh, management uh, weather based features. Um, so before answering that question, I'll just like uh, maybe reiterate uh, the layers that uh, Centera uh, offers from different field insights, because a lot of these uh, field insights products then will become inputs for the agronomic modeling problem. Um, so, the, you know, talking more generically, maybe more around the file format and and what that format represents uh, rather than a specific product. Um, um, we tend to have two different types of data, uh, rasters or vector, and the raster would be things like images. Um, so it might be visual or RGB images, multispectral images, but then binary images. So this might be where all of the non-vegetation got masked out and we just have a zero and one or true false, is there vegetation here or not? Um, and then that, then those can get analyzed in a way where you can do different descriptive statistics, zonal statistics on your different areas of interest that then get used for features in the model. Um, and then um, the vector data, these are things like GeoJSON or Shapefile um, or CSV or more tabular data. Um, and then, so, so this is what deliverable types of our Field Insights products, like the off-the-shelf products. Now, when using them for agronomic modeling, I'll start off by saying like, you know, at a very basic uh, modeling approach, we can usually develop a, <laughs> a train, a model, just based on that. However, I strongly encourage there to be some sort of ground truth information. So now transferring, like with all that said, I'll now answer your question. Um, what data are, are necessary? Um, taking a look at the objective that you're trying to solve. So let's say, for example, it is uh, yield prediction, uh, in-season yield prediction. So we want to make um, uh, predict yield before harvest. And maybe that might be important for our marketing decisions um, or maybe uh, contract purposes, things like that. Um, it might be obvious, but if we're going to train a model to make yield predictions, we should have ground truth yield data. Now, an alternative, if we don't have that, would just be, uh, you know, sort of train another uh, unsupervised model um, where we don't have ground truth data to basically make up some yield data. Um, so that response variable in our case yield is number one critically important for, for, for training a good model. Um, and then after that, uh, literally anything is on the table. This is a data-driven system. And so I've always found that usually the more data we have, um, the more robust of a model we might have. Doesn't always necessarily mean a more accurate model because there's a lot of caveats if I were to go ahead and say that. But when I say more data, I mean, and it could mean two different dimensions. The most important one, I feel like, is how many observations 
do we have in our data set? So when we're looking at a table, like an Excel spreadsheet or something, this is how many rows there are in that spreadsheet. Um, you know, how many growing seasons does this represent? How many different soil types does this represent? How many different um, fertilizer programs or crops does this represent? And you know, when we go from dozens to hundreds to thousands to tens of thousands, you know, that's really influential in our ability to put together a robust model. Um, the other dimension would be the variables that are being considered or the columns as we look into a spreadsheet. Um, and so uh, I already sort of touched on it, but soils information, this might be um, uh, physical, uh, like soil mapping from the Circo data set, but it could also mean uh, chemical, uh, you know, soil sampling, farm-based soil sampling, looking at pH and potassium phosphorus levels um, over the course of, of growing seasons. Um, management data itself, so planting date, uh, what variety or hybrid was grown, um, the application of different fertilizers or pesticides, fungicides. Um, the harvest date is usually really important. Um, and then I, I mentioned weather already, but you know, looking at different weather variables, um, uh, minimum, maximum temperature to calculate growing degree days, uh, solar radiation, depending on the crop, that's really influential to know, you know how, how, how the crop progresses. Um, precipitation, obviously. Um, so I, I think you get the gist, um, it, but it could, could literally be anything. Um, if there is a, a variable that um, someone has a hypothesis or a hunch that it should influence whatever our response variable is, and if it's, a, if it's available, you know, throw it in there. Okay. So with the rise of technology and digital tools, there's a lot of data being generated on farms. Um, as a professional working with data analytics, what are your thoughts on how this data can be better managed and utilized at a farm level and at an industry level? Yeah, that's, um, that's a really good question. Um, I, I, I think I have a lot of thoughts on that, but it's it's somewhat uh, difficult to articulate always. Uh, but I think, you know, I'll, I'll do my best. Um, I think, you know, as an industry, the number one thing, I think we need to do a better job of uh, coming together uh, and adapt some sort of uh, data standards around these agronomic variables that are being measured. Um, and now I'm not necessarily referring to uh, APIs and data sharing and, you know, shapefile versus um, uh, GeoJSON versus some proprietary format, although that's all part of it. It's all important, uh, but I'm more referring to the cleaning and the organizing of data so that it can be used sort of out of the box for putting together um, important agronomic features. Now, I, I, you know, I'm kind of answering this question from the perspective of customized agronomic modeling. Um, you know, a big part of that is having data for your problem, uh, having enough of it, and Taking that primary, those primary data sources, things like <clears throat> weather, uh, you know, precipitation data, or things like soil information, and then use it like uh, transforming that data through a process that I call feature engineering to make columns or make variables that are more agronomically relevant. Um, 
And I can talk maybe a little bit more and provide an example about that, but I don't want to get too far off track on, on the question here. You know, being able to, you know, doing a little bit um, around data standards or having data standards and then kind of having um, processes in place for um, how the data gets processed, how it gets cleaned um, so that it can be, uh, you know, truly analysis ready for doing feature engineering, um, and doing uh, things like uh, zonal statistics or summary statistics um, is something that I think a lot of people I'll talk about in different ways, but it's it's really, really hard to do. And that's, I think, the one thing that um, we we have to uh, come together uh, come together on to improve a little bit more going forward. I think that's that are some of the great thoughts coming together, uh, creating some shared database where we can overall improve towards production and help farmers overall. So following up on that, uh, how do you envision the future of the digital agriculture and the role of the data management in digital agriculture will look like? Yeah, I, I you know followed up on my last the the last question. I think um, you know standards amongst the big players in agriculture in terms of how that data gets stored and accessed, and you know of course shared, which leads me into APIs. I'm not going to necessarily touch on APIs because there's some good work I think going on with different groups, um, but it's certainly very important for the you know the role of data data management in digital agriculture. Um, you know, it's how we can work together. But, you know, the, the big things besides the standards and the data sharing or APIs, I think is, at least I, I hope to see, and I think I have seen this a lot in the last few years, um, a, trans, uh, a transition um, towards more of a focus on solving particular problems, as opposed to, hey, I've got this cool technology, what problems, you know, how can I use this to, you know, solve some problems? Kind of flipping that around and do more of a, a grower centric um, perspective of hey i have this problem you know what tools are at my disposal um, to use to actually address that problem and uh, and the focus being just more on the problem rather than the solution or more on the problem that we're trying to address rather than on the technology yeah, so that, that's what I, I, I think the, the biggest thing that I at least like to see um, happening. Like I said, I think th there has been a transition because those groups that aren't doing that, um, they, they just don't last very long in that form. Um, do you have any success stories that you'd be able to share with us about where proper data management has led to economic benefits? Um, so I can share um, some examples. Um, I'm going to preface this, though, by uh, saying that through my career, I, I find it very challenging to really quantify economic benefit of, of doing this versus that, an A-B test. Um, and the reason is because the A-B tests are never apples to apples um, in agriculture because of things like spatial variability, temporal variability. Uh, really driven by soils and and weather, um, and so it's really it's really difficult to know the economic impact of a particular decision. But in general, I, I think a lot of 
a lot of people have always sort of been on board with implementing precision agriculture. You know, it makes intuitive sense. If we are more precise with our inputs and things like that, um, it should be, uh, it just makes sense that, okay, you know, there should be some sort of a return. Actually quantifying that return can be challenging. So, um, you know, one of the more basic examples or uh, it's turning into a more historical example is, is grid-based soil sampling and, you know, just using uh, university uh, fertility recommendations to do variable rate um, fertilizer application. You know, it's not new or anything. There's not a whole lot of uh, really exciting things to say about it anymore, maybe in the 90s or 20 years ago. Um, but still, like this practice um, doesn't, we, we found it doesn't necessarily uh, mean uh, a decrease in fertilizer applied. It's just a better um, allocation of those fertilizer resources to the areas of the field that we um, expect there to be the most return or the most thing from the buck. So that's an example that's maybe more agronomic in nature. Um, when it gets into, as it relates to agronomic modeling and some of the things that I've been talking about thus far, um, I think, you know, something that I'm super interested in and in, in seeing uh, future research on is, is maybe sort of challenging some of those state level university recommendations, uh, because if you ever look at the data, there's a lot of variability um, across the state or across the region that that fertilizer recommendation is made. And so I think with good farm management and good data management, you'd be able to turn each individual farm into its own research lab, if you will, to be able to make specific fertilizer recommendations using the same general practices, the same general statistical techniques that universities use across the whole state, but really focus that on into a localized level. And this is one step that we could take from that example of uh, variable rate fertilizer application making nutrient recommendations and fine tune it. So yeah, that, so that's a, an agronomic example. Um, another example that's maybe more uh, economic based and less you know, it certainly includes the agronomics, but the decision is just being um, a yield prediction model. And we want to know the expected yield for every field across a region so that we can understand how much grain we'll have. Um, and so uh, we might have um, contracts in place. <clears throat> and if we don't fulfill those contracts, you know, we have to pay back. Uh, and so knowing the expected yield across the aggregated yield across all of our fields helps us to know, are we going to be able to fill that contract? Um, if not, you know, we have to line up new contracts or find new fields so we can fill our own contract. Um, and if there's a surplus of, of, of grain, you know, we might have to find a new, a different market then to, to be able to, to market that. Do, doing a good job of that can make a huge difference financially in terms of a business's um, profits. Yeah, I think those are some of the great insights. Uh, although, as you mentioned, no, like we cannot quantify directly in terms of numbers, having the diversity in field conditions and other aspects. But those examples, I think, were really helpful to understand the scenario of how data management can lead to the economic benefits. So following up uh, on that, you previously also mentioned some of your thoughts and envisioning of how you see the future of digital agriculture. So I'd like to ask here, uh, 
what are you most looking forward in terms of the future of data management aspect from an industry perspective? It's a really hard question to uh, answer. I feel like there's just so much work to do um, that, you know, I don't want this to be doom or gloom or anything, but there's so many things, so many building blocks um, that I feel are, are yet to be put in place and utilized to be able to really achieve the value that I'm most excited for. Um, and so, you know, to answer your question, what am I most excited for? I'm, I'm most excited for a future or a reality in agriculture where we have a plethora of data at our disposal, um, of course, following good um, security measures and, you know, keeping the data only accessible to those that um, have the rights and the privileges to access that data. But I don't just mean here's all this data that's being collected because I think we've for for over a decade now we've we've been doing uh, you know an excellent job of of collecting gigabytes and terabytes of data you know it's not about gigabytes or terabytes it's it's more the more boring facets of of agricultural data things like what what crop was grown on what field when was it planted um, what inputs were put on that crop on what on what dates and and um, what equipment or general management practices were used to, to make that application or to harvest that data um, and really honing in on the spatial and the temporal accuracy and the precision of that data. Um, all of that, um, it's, it's sort of the more boring <laughs> parts and I think that's why it hasn't gotten much research attention, frankly. Um, it also doesn't necessarily support um, venture capital money from startups for startups and things like that. But I think that's a, a really critical piece to being able to um, do really influential feature engineering. You know, I used that term earlier, but feature engineering just meaning taking primary data sources and combining them to construct agronomic features that are relevant to the problem that we're trying to solve. What am I really looking forward to? I'm really looking forward to talking to um, a new customer, a new potential customer, that all of that is, it's already sort of expected that this is, this is the, you know, the price to play, uh, price to play the game, or, you know, we have to have a good data management strategy to do these more interesting things around a customized a prediction model or cause a model that we can use to um, make inferences about causal, causality of a problem. Currently, most of the time, quite frankly, is spent, you know, hey, spent sort of describing that, hey, this is a program that uh, you know tends to be long-term, you know, season over season. And the more data that we can collect, and the, the better we can organize our data, the more value it will bring next year and the year after. And quite honestly, it's, it, it's sometimes um, somewhat demoralizing. By the time you expend all that energy <laughs> to do the data management, there's not a whole lot of energy or, or will willingness to do a lot of the more interesting things. So I look forward to uh, a future where where I guess this is better understood and then that we can basically have historical data um, to, to solve problems right now 
rather than say, oh, we need, you know, we need data next year so we can do this again next year because that's a never ending cycle. <laughs> that's great. Um, if our listeners have any questions or want to learn more, where can they go to um, either get in contact with someone or to learn more about Sentara's products? Yeah, so I think the the best first place to go would be um, uh, our website, sentara.com. Uh, and there, you know, there's uh, chat uh, boxes there so you can get in direct contact with our sales um, team from there. Uh, and then also we are, uh, you know, we're on LinkedIn and Twitter, I know, although I'm not uh, super, super involved with that, but I know you'll be able to find us there. Um, of course, you know, feel free to add me on LinkedIn, Tyler Nagan, um, and I'd be happy to to point you in the right direction or continue this conversation. Yeah, thanks for sharing those contacts. Uh, is there anything we didn't talk about today that you might want to add or mention to our listeners? I think just one last point. I, I kind of, just following up on that last question, I think there's you know one, just to put it all into one concise um, conclusion, I think just a recognition that that data that is being collected now in 2023, next year in 2024, if you do a good job of it and sort of have um, a goal in mind of, you know, just generally, hey, I might want to use this data for a yield prediction model to help me uh, contract my grain better, or, you know, maybe it has something to do with uh, nutrient management or something like that. But the data that we're collecting right now will be very valuable a decade from now. And the thing that I just want to emphasize is like, there's a, a lot of times this philosophy around, you know, if, if I'm making an investment in collecting this data and I don't get value out of it in 20, uh, 24 hours after it's collected, it's not worth it to me. I get it. I, I totally understand that perspective, but I would encourage, you know, those listening to have a, um, uh, a broader mindset in, in terms of the long-term value of this data. Um, I, I know we all have to make our decisions about what's financially feasible right here and now, and we want to get immediate uh, return on that investment of collecting the data. But there's, there, there's, I'm here to say there's more to it than that, um, and that should absolutely be considered. And our last question for the day. So we have a tradition here on the FarmBits podcast, and it's to ask for a piece of advice. So what advice do you have for producers who want to step towards a data-based farm management program? Yeah, um, absolutely. I, I like that you asked that question. <laughs> um, I, I think it's, you know, it's it's in the same vein as uh, last, the last two responses, last two questions. Um, and it's, I'd say, you know, think about what you want five years from now, or what you want 10 years from now. And I'd say, you know, don't, don't necessarily expect there to be an off the shelf solution to address the problem that you want solved five years from now, 10 years from now, next year, whatever. Um, I encourage you to sort of look at this as a team-based approach using different uh, players in this in our industry and in agricultural industry, from university to um, you know some of the bigger fertilizer chemical seed companies to um, you know the the startups or the you know the the smaller companies that are maybe more uh, data driven rather than uh, you know 
chemical or product driven, um, you know, that you can touch and feel. Um, and, and look at it as a team-based approach and how, how we can all do our part to take baby steps towards to get into what we want. Um, I, I think I've seen too much. It's, it, it makes me frustrated at times um, where there's an expectation from growers, from crop consultants, um, you know, even researchers that, you know, hey, what, what new product um, does Sentara have to offer this year? I want to sort of test it out and okay yeah we do that you know you have to do that and 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 we have our products and and they they have their place and you know a lot of them provide a lot of really meaningful information but this philosophy around here's an off-the-shelf product to meet your very specific solution a uh, problem on this soil with this management practice this experiment whatever it might be it's 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 not really th that uh, practical to think that way. And so this is where, you know, bringing your own data the, to the table um, and forming your own sort of objectives um, for how you want to set up and solve a problem and kind of just coming at it from a team approach and let's come together more to help uh, design the solutions that we will have next year in five years and 10 years. Um, so just a broadening of perspective in that nature, I guess would be my advice. Thank you very much to Tyler Nigan for taking the time to join this episode of the Palm Beach podcast. It's really exciting to hear about the amazing works that Centera is doing in terms of agricultural data management and analytics. One of my favorite part of the episode was the idea shared by our guest that the data we are collecting now will be more valuable after next few years. I agree, but one of my favorite parts of this episode was hearing more about the products that Sentara has to offer and how producers can still use these products even if they don't have their own drone. I hope you enjoyed this episode and we look forward to sharing another digital ag story with you next week on FarmBits. Thank you for taking the time to join us today on the FarmBits podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts to be informed about the latest content each week. We welcome your feedback. So if you have comments or questions for us, please reach out to us over email, on Twitter, or in the review section of your favorite podcast platform. Our contact information can be found in the show notes. We would like to thank Nebraska Extension for their support of this podcast and their commitment to providing high quality informational material to members of the agriculture community in Nebraska and beyond. The opinions expressed by the host and guest on this podcast are solely their own and do not reflect the views of Nebraska Extension or the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. We look forward to you joining us next week for another episode of FarmBits.